I've never been here. Thank you. I've never been here in the evening, so this is really a new thing to you. It's a new thing to me. And I'm so honored that Pastor Mark would ask me to participate in this very special kind of uh, going against the grain where everybody's shutting down on Sunday night. You're opening up. And we pray that God will use this to really bring a revival to the city. Amen. 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 It is a singular privilege to lift up the Word of God with you and uh, bring you a gospel message as I have understood uh, the purpose of this Sunday evening. And um, I consider that there is no greater joy and a privilege than to uphold and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are so many uh, around the world now who have relaxed their commitment to the gospel. And I'm so grateful that KT continues to uphold the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I was thinking about this particular event, this particular service, And I was thinking about how we all got affected by COVID. COVID COVID-19 really impacted the whole world. And by the way, I have not, my wife and I have never stopped traveling in the middle of COVID. We just kept going. As a matter of fact, we came from uh, meetings in Egypt, showed on the the screen. We had a very special meeting in in Cairo. And uh, we stopped here we did not realize that it was in between closings. <laughs> we, we arrived here, we just overnight to get back home uh, from uh, Egypt, and, and then we were watching the news at night, and your prime minister came in and he said, we're gonna close it again. I said, we're glad we came in between openings. <laughs> but in reality, really, I can tell you, as I have been to Australia, which is one of the hardest uh, hit area uh, in the Middle East and uh, in Europe, that COVID-19 has magnified, at least from my experience as I travel, has magnified the fear of death like I have never seen in my 73 years. We live in Atlanta, Georgia, and we're in our neighborhood. There are a large number of elderly folks, people who are uh, retired. So we in our mid-70s considered to be the youngsters in the the neighborhood. And uh, they were doubling and tripling masks, but I could see in their eyes terror and fear like I have never seen like I've never really seen in all the West. I ministered in Sydney for nine years and now in in Atlanta for 45 years. I've never seen that kind of fear in the eyes of people in the West. I've seen it in the Middle East. I've experienced it myself in 1969 when I looked to death in the eye when somebody high up looked at me in the Middle East country and said, within one hour you'll be dead. And I knew he meant it. So I saw it with my own eyes, but not in the West, as I have seen it during COVID. But then, I'm not surprised. We shouldn't be surprised that people who don't know Jesus are afraid of dying. They should be. For death 
is a fearful foe. Death is a formidable enemy. Death is a merciless tyrant. But those who have placed their full trust in Jesus Christ as their only Savior and Lord, to us, death is defeated. Death is no longer a cause of terror. Death is not our greatest enemy. But for those who have never placed their whole trust for their salvation, for their eternity, on the cross of Christ, and His sacrificial act on that cross, work on that cross, for those who have never known the power of the cross, and that the cross is a payment for their sins and their eternal judgment, for those who have never accepted Christ's invitation, His invitation to come to Him and confessing our sins, repenting of our sins, uh, invitation to come to Him and to be set free from sin and death. To them, death is a terrifying prospect. I realized that for the first time, perhaps during that COVID time. And I'm often asked, what happens to all of us, to all human beings in reality, to all of us, one second after we die? Well, I'm not very clever to come up with an answer. Uh, but the answer really depends on whether the person confessed their sin and received Jesus and the promises of Jesus for eternal life or not. <laughs> the Bible makes it very clear there is only two places in which you can spend your eternity. No third. Two places. Either in heaven with Jesus for all of eternity or in a place of torment, pain, and suffering with Satan. Please listen to me. I'm not making this stuff up because I'm incapable of making it up, and that is why this information is found in the Word of God, and I'm going to show it to you. Some of you uh, are familiar with those who claim that they have been able to contact the dead people. We have television programs all the time. People are able to contact dead, dead spirits. Uh, others are channeling the spirits of the dead. Others who have this near-death experience and tell you that Jesus said He loves everybody and everybody's going to be fine, and then they admit in the end that they were lying. There's some believe in the reincarnation. All of these are deceptions, and these deceptions are supposed to mislead people uh, of all these designed by Satan to deceive people into thinking that everyone, when they die, they go to a happy place. <laughs> uh, all these are designed... For by, for by Satan, for people to, to cope with death, if, especially for those who don't know the Lord. Deceive people into thinking that nothing could happen after death. Everybody will be fine. But let me assure you that we, every one of us, every human being on the face of the earth, will live forever. There was a time when you were not, but there will never be a time when you will not be. There was a time when I was not, but there will never be a time when I will not be. We're going to live for all of eternity. The question is where? Some people even claim that they are Christ followers. But then they are living in doubt. They're fearful of the unknown. And when the time comes, they really are living in fear and doubt. So there's my ardent prayer tonight that everyone who's at the sound of my voice, 
It is my ardent prayer. That, and it is my hope that if you're one of those people, tonight your life will be changed. Amen. Change from doubt to confidence. Change from fear to faith. Change from worry and anxiety to peace and joy. Now, by the end of this meeting, again, it's our prayer that you'll be able to say with the Apostle Paul, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? They can give a million COVID-19s, and we are not afraid because of our confidence in the one who rose from the dead. Now, you can go out of here moving from doubt to fear. Now, I pray that whatever preconceived ideas you came up with, that you neutralize them and listen to the Word of God. Because not everybody, when they die, they go to a happy place. Or that death is the end of everything, as some people would say. Stephen was the very first Christian martyr. He was being stoned to death in the book of Acts. And as he's dying, literally his last breath, he said, I see Jesus. He is standing and welcoming me. And then he died. You see, that is the death of the believer. God's Word assures us from beginning to end that the eternal life with Christ is the destination of everyone who has surrendered their life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so let me begin by sharing an incident. This is not a parable. It's not a story. It is an incident that has taken place in the Old Testament. Uh, before the, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, before his death and resurrection. And who is more qualified to tell us about this real incident that has taken place other than Jesus himself? He is God of very God, who became man of very man. He coexisted with the Father before all eternity. The Bible said that it is for whom and through whom the whole world was created. And now he becomes man. So he tells us the story. He was there, and he knows the reality and the truth of that story. So I'm going to share with you what he said to us from Luke chapter 16. Because in this incident that I'm going to be reading to you, makes it very clear. There is only two possible places in which you can spend eternity. When you die. Either the place of forever of unspeakable joy or the place of unbearable torment, pain, and suffering. And please listen carefully. After death, it is not possible to transfer from one place to the other. Regardless of the length of time, regardless of the intensity of the pain and suffering, regardless of one's social status during life. And so, in Luke 16, those of you who want to check on me, let me see if I get this thing out here uh, for cosmetic reasons. I, I wear that uh, so I can read. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and he lived in luxury every day. At his gate was a, laid there a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. 
Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died. Watch this very carefully. And the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died, and he was buried in hell, in hell, where he was being tormented. He looked up, and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. And so he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip his finger in water to cool my tongue because I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham replied, Son, remember, in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us, there is a great chasm that has been fixed. So we cannot go to you, and you cannot come to us. He answered, then I beg you, Father Abraham, send Lazarus, from, Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they would not come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. In other words, they have the Bible. Let them listen to them. Now, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead would rise and go to them, they would repent. And he said to him, if you do not listen to Moses and the prophets, the Bible, even if somebody rose from the dead, they will not repent. They will not believe. Father this is your word. Your Holy Spirit authored every word in this infallible word of God. And the Holy Spirit who is here to take his word that he authored and apply it to our lives so that tonight there will be great rejoicing in heaven even if one person would give their life to Christ. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, some people, some people make the mistake of thinking that the tormented man in the flames of hell ended up there because he was rich. But you need to read very carefully the, 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 the words of the Scripture. See, the Bible from cover to cover never condemns riches. The Bible condemns how you use your money. The Bible takes care and takes note of how you spend your riches. Abraham was a very rich man, 
and yet he was called the man of faith, Joseph of Arimathea, who used his tomb, his brand new tomb, to bury uh, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, was a very wealthy man. So this story that Jesus tells us, this incident that took place, is not about riches per se. So I want you to get that right. But it's about greed, about selfishness, about self-centeredness. Jesus was telling this religious Hypocrites were standing and frightening these Pharisees that, that Jesus was talking to. He was saying to them, all of your riches is not going to help you on that last day. So in this incident, the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to know a few things, three things in number. First of all, he wants us to know there's only two destinations. When you die, when I die, there are only two destinations we can go to, one or the other. The one who lived to self and the other one lived for God. Uh, one worshiped self, the other one worshiped God. One's God was mammon, the other's God was the Lord. And so the first and the most important thing I want to, I believe the Lord would want us to have from His Word, and I don't want you to miss it, is what happened one second after we die. Jesus gives us the answer. These two men went to two different regions of Haiti. I'm going to explain that in a minute. Before the cross of Christ, before the resurrection of Christ, before the coming of Christ, the Old Testament believers, when they died, they went to a place called Hades. Now, Hades is made of two regions, and they could communicate with each other, but there's a big gulf separates them. It's impassable. You cannot go from one place to the other. These two regions of Hades were uh, before the coming of Christ. One region of Hades was called the bosom of Abraham. That's how the Old Testament saints called it, the bosom of Abraham. I'm going to tell you why. The other place was a place of torment. Don't miss this. Both men were fully conscious of where they were after death. So were we, every one of us. Uh, the man who rejected God was conscious of the region of Hades where he was experiencing unbearable suffering and for all of eternity. Uh, he had memories. Uh, he was able to speak. Uh, he was able to experience pain. The godly man, Lazarus, also had memories. He was able to speak, but he was experiencing joy. The one who thought that he could save himself, or he could save himself through good works, said, Father Abraham, because he was Jewish, and he thought that Father Abraham is the father of all Jews. And physically, yes. But as Paul tells us in Galatians and, and in Romans, that all those who have the faith of Abraham are the children of Abraham. Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water to cool my tongue because I am in agony in these flames. So what else Jesus wants us to know? Listen carefully, please. That we will receive our resurrected bodies as soon as we die. 1 Corinthians 15, 54, 2 Corinthians 5, 2 and 3, God's Word tells us that we're going to be closed. 
with a resurrected body as soon as we die. John the Revelator, in the book of Revelation, he did not see souls floating around in heaven. No, he saw people, resurrected people in their resurrected bodies. Uh, the man's extreme pain was the result of the fire of unfulfilled passions, the fire uh, of unsatisfied desire, the fire of undying lust, the fire of tormented experience, the fire of raging guilt, the fire of tormented mind. But as for Lazarus, that God-fearing man who placed his trust in the Lord, as far as he was concerned, he was in a state of bliss with the man of faith, Abraham. As I mentioned in the Old Testament, these two regions of Haiti, the one where the, those who had the faith of Abraham and looked forward to the coming of Christ went to that place called the bosom of Abraham. I remember a story in, in my parish where um, a lady was in her 90s and she was dying. And she called the pastor and the pastor came to visit her and uh, she said, Pastor, I am excited. I'm about to die. I'm going to be in the bosom of Moses. They said, honey, sweet lady, it's not the bosom of Moses. It's the bosom of Abraham. She said, at my age, I don't care whose bosom it is. <laughs> well, they called it the bosom of Abraham simply just to illustrate that he is a man who 2,000 years before Christ looked forward by faith 2,000 years ahead and saw Christ. That's why Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. And they got mad at him. They want to kill him because they said, you're not even 50 years old. They have failed to realize that he is God the Son. God's word tells us that after the resurrection, Jesus went to that waiting place, that region of Hades where the believers have been waiting with those who've looked by faith like Abraham to the coming of Jesus throughout all of the Old Testament, that he went there and he took them from that waiting place called paradise into the very portals of heaven. The second thing that you must not miss is this. Both eternal destinies are irrevocably fixed. Fixed. Sometimes when I'm witnessing to an unbeliever and I'm, ple I'm pleading with him or her to come to Christ, sometimes I'm doing it in tears because I know what the Word of God said. They'll be spending eternity in torment. There's no surprise that recently study was done. 90% of American pastors never talk about hell. This is offense, people. Listen to me. I'd rather offend you here and you bless me in heaven then not offend you here and curse me in hell. And so verse 26, he said, Between us we have a great chasm that's been fixed, so that those who want to come from here cannot go there, and the other way around cannot cross over from here to there. Beloved, when we die, and we end up in whatever destination we decide here where it's going to be. There is no crossing over. You cannot change your mind then because you don't like the accommodation. You pack your bags and say, I want to go to the other side. No, no, no. It's too late. It's too late. And that is why the death of the believer, while it is painful, 
but the separation is painful, especially for those who left behind. It is a joyous time for the believers. Because there's no waiting place. There is no soul sleep. There is no purgatory. It is checking out of here and checking into heaven. Now, for those who have received the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, it is a matter of leaving here and going straight there. Jesus said to that repentant thief on the cross, today, not sometime down in the by and by, today you'll be with me in paradise. The reason the Bible speaks about the believer's death as sleep. I remember somebody was testing me about this when I was green freshman in seminary back in 1971. And said, why does the Bible call death of a believer sleep? Because death is restful for the believer. It's joyful for the believer. This is why we know that um, on the Mount of Transfiguration, the Lord Jesus took three disciples with him, and there Moses and Elijah in their glorified body showed up. And it was such a fantastic sight. Dear old Peter did not want to come down again. He said, I want to stay here. Let's stay in this place. That's why I called the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw their glorified body, and he knew that's the future of the believers. It is an immediate transformation. Now, as I mentioned before, when Stephen was dying, he saw Jesus immediately. I know my own mother, back in 1964, when she was about to go to heaven, she kept saying, with all of us siblings who were standing around her bed and kept saying, I can hear them singing. I can hear them singing. And within seconds, she joined the chorus. Paul expected to be at the very presence of Jesus as soon as he dies. And that is why in Philippians 1.23, he said, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. He, he, he did not long to die so that he can get, his soul can go to sleep. Uh, he longed for death because he knew that it would mean immediate and absolute presence with Christ. I heard something the other day where they asked Billy Graham, what are you going to do when you go to heaven? He said, I'm going to spend the first thousand years sleep. And now that I have been working for the Lord for over 50 years, been preaching for 50 years, I'm about to turn 74, even though I look up to heaven every single day, I said, Lord, if it's today, my bags are packed. That's my spiritual bags, by the way because I can't take anything with me. I said, my spiritual bags are packed. I'm ready to go. But if you leave me here, I'm going to keep working for you until I die. <laughs> and that's why the Apostle Paul was torn between saying, between staying here and going and being in heaven with Jesus. Yet he made it clear. He would certainly prefer heaven nonetheless. So do I. So do I. My wife doesn't like to hear this. It's a fact. I can't wait to go and be with Jesus. I tell my congregation all the time, I live for one purpose, and that's what I call it, the audience of one. And every one of us are going to have that audience of one. Paul was confident that his death meant presence with Christ in a glorified body. 
That is why in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, you read, they said, to be absent from the body is to be at home with Christ. Listen to me. When you are tired, you're not afraid to go to sleep, are you? No. You won't come sleep. You won't come rest. And death for the believer is just like that. And that's a sad thing today. We have so many preachers talking about this life. This life. The book I read is called, I couldn't really finish it. Your best life is here, is now. You've got to be kidding me. This is the best life? It's the best life for the non-believer, but my best life is with Jesus. Yeah. Revelation 14, 13. <laughs> Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. From now on, they will rest from their labor, from the, and their deeds will follow them. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 describes our earthly body as a tent that we're dwelling in my spirit, my soul, is inside that tent. It's a tent. Now, I don't like tent living. I had bad experience 55 years ago with camping and tents. I never camp again. The nearest I want to be near camping is in the Holiday Inn. But just, I'm just not made for camping. God bless you if you like camping. That's great. Because when Paul said this is a tent, it's because tents tend to be, to deteriorate. Tents sag. Tents get battered. And tents eventually collapse. Tents remind us of our temporary nature of our pilgrimage here on earth. By the same token, Jesus said, I go to the Father and prepare for your mansions. Oh, some people think they're going to get a Buckingham Palace or some sort of a palace like that, some sort of a mansion. It's not that. He's not talking about having a, a big mansion. <laughs> he is talking about a glorified body. And, a, and our glorified bodies, if you compare them to this body, is like a tent compared with a mansion. Because the glorified body is going to be free from pain, free from cancer, free from suffering, and the Lord is going to wipe all our tears when he, we see him face to face. That's why the glorified body is what I can't wait for. The third thing I want to tell you very quickly as I come toward the end, that you need to know, you must know about eternity. Here in Luke 16, and that is self-awareness in heaven or in hell. Self-awareness in heaven or in hell. The self-centered man knew fully that he deserved to be where he was in that place of torment. <laughs> he knew that he had received just and fair judgment. In his eternal torment, that self-centered man was at the height of self-awareness of his sin, of his rebellion, of refusing to humble himself before God and believe in him and rebelled against God. So after a few moments in Hades, he became a great evangelist. He really did. You get a few moments in hell, and you become an evangelist too. You want to come back and tell every loved one, repent now, believe now, because the time will come when, as the Bible said, in the days of Noah, God shut the door of the ark. See, God is the one who shuts the door. But now the door is wide open. Come to him while you can. 
Believe in him. Surrender to him. Let his forgiveness flow through you and give you the comfort and assurance of eternal life with him. And so he said, send Lazarus to my father's house. I have five brothers. Let him warn them so they would not come to this place. I cannot think of a better evangelistic message than this man. He's now preaching an evangelistic message. He did not say, oh God, you've given me a raw deal. Oh God, you are unfair, you're unjust. You hear people say that all the time, where's God and this and where's God? He never said that. He knew that he was exactly where he deserved to be. And that was where his brothers are heading. Unless they believe the Bible. As Abraham said, if they're not going to believe the Bible, they even if somebody rose from the dead, they won't believe it. You know what? Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the third day, and the whole world knew it, and the evidence is overwhelming, and yet people still refuse to believe. If they're not going to believe the gospel, they're not going to believe, even in the resurrected Christ. So he pleads with Abraham, verse 30. But if someone rises from the dead and goes to them, they will repent. Abraham said to him, verse 31, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophet, in other words, if they do not read the Bible, if they do not believe the Bible, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. What is Abraham saying? Listen carefully. I'm about to close. If they, if they refuse to believe in the Word of God and the promises of God in the Word of God, even if Lazarus rose from the dead, they're still not going to believe him. The decision that you and you and I make here on earth in terms of our relationship with Christ is going to determine all of your eternity. All of your eternity. This man knew it was too late for him. It's too late for him. But he was hoping that his five brothers would not come there. Himerat, please, with heightened perception, so we're all going to have heightened perception and better understanding, he becomes aware that it is your relationship with God here on earth is the most important decision you can make in your life. You can be a multi-billionaire. You can do all the things and you can accomplish so much. Not, as the Bible said, Jesus said, what profits a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? That's the most important decision you can make, and you can make it tonight. If you, love, you live your life focusing on yourself, doing your own thing, doing all that, and leave God out. If you spend all your life spending your money, doing all kind of stuff, leaving God out. If you do everything that is supposed to be doing, and you leave God out, you will spend eternity in that horrible place of torment and suffering. Jesus described it as fire that would not die down and worms would not die. If you make your plans and pay 
no attention to Christ's invitation. Who's inviting you tonight? To come to him. You'll spend eternity without God. Remember that all of this, of course, was not even the final hell. It's not the final heaven. This was in the Old Testament when there was a place of waiting. And there was suffering even then and there was joy even then. But when the Lord Jesus Christ shed his blood on that cross and died, he died for me and he died for everyone who would come to him. And therefore you were able to get to heaven on his coattail. For those like Abraham, those men of faith of the Old Testament, join Jesus after the resurrection into heaven. But for the unfaithful, for the ones who rejected salvation by Christ alone and faith alone and grace alone, they would not believe the gospel. They would not believe in Christ's invitation to come to him. The place of indescribable pain is awaiting. This is not to scare people. However, I don't mind telling you, if I can scare you out of hell, I'll do it. I'll do it. Because no one, I don't want anybody, even people that I don't like, <laughs> and they're not many, I want them to know Jesus and to come to eternal joy with him. In the New Testament, the Bible said in the fullness of time, God sent his son as an embryo in a virgin's womb. Jesus lived for 33 and one-third of a year. Perfect life, sinless life. He was tempted in every way like all of us, but he never sinned. Why? Because only a sinless, perfect God-man can save sinners like me and you. Every one of us, born with our backs to God. And the first word babies say, we have 11 grandchildren. And I, I tell my, my, my kids and their, my in-laws, when they're expecting a baby, I said, don't expect the baby's first word to be mommy or daddy. It's going to be no. Don't be disappointed because that's a fact. We're born to say no to God. And then we live our lives saying no to God. And God does not allow people who say no, come to his heaven. He only expects perfect people to come. We're not perfect. So what do we do? What is the answer to this dilemma? God had the answer. He sent his son to die on the cross, to pay for the wages of everyone who would repent of their sins. His perfect son is the only one who can take you to heaven. The blood that was spilled on that cross was for everyone who recognized their sinners. I was talking to a neighbor of mine. He happened to be of Jewish descent, and I loved him dearly. My wife knows, and I, I really wanted this man to come and know Jesus. I kept saying, he's your Messiah. And he said, Michael, you don't understand. I'm a heathen. I said, well, so am I. He looked at me. He said, I thought you were a man of the cloth. I said, yes. I recognize that I'm a sinner and I desperately need a savior. You recognize you're a sinner, but you haven't come to the point of recognizing you need a savior. There's some maybe here today recognize they're sinners. They said, I can't do anything. 
But you know what? The Savior can do, because He already has done all the work needs to be done on the cross. If you're uncertain about where we're going to spend eternity, chances are you have not surrendered your life to Christ. You have not anchored all of your hope in the promises of God. You have not fully trusted that He and only He can ensure heaven for you. You can do that tonight. You can do that today. He who believes in me, Jesus said, shall never, never, never die talking about that eternal death. Will you bow your heads in prayer with me? In the presence of God, I'm going to challenge anyone in this room who have never been assured of eternity in heaven. For whatever reason, there could be myriads of reasons. I want you to stand up so that I can pray for you and pray with you so that you can be assured of eternity with Jesus the moment you close your eyes in death. We're seeing now young and die, old die, everybody dies. Why risk it? Why risk it? If you say, Lord Jesus Christ, I come to you, receive me, he will do that. If you stand up, I'll pray with you, and I'll pray for you. I'll give you a few more seconds. I'll give you one more chance. In the balcony, I can see that. Yep. If you don't want to stand up, just raise your hand. That's fine. I understand that. Raise your hand. That's fine. I can see that. Thank you. Don't be ashamed of standing up because Jesus said, anyone who's ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of him in heaven in front of my Father. Don't be ashamed. This is your most important decision you can make. Not one of the most important decisions. Your eternity hangs in the balance. I'm going to give you a few more seconds. Thank you for all those who are standing up. Stay standing, please. I'm, I'm going to ask you to repeat a prayer with me. Lord Jesus Christ, I confess that I have sinned against you. I repent of my sins. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Have your Holy Spirit come and dwell in me that I walk with you every day until I see you face to face. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people shall praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.